Welcome to the Corkscrew podcast on practice research beyond the PhD. Your host is Dr Sophie Hope, a practice-based researcher in the Film, Media and Cultural Studies Department at Birkbeck, University of London. Each episode brings you up close and personal to Sophie and a guest. We invite you to listen in to these personal stories and to be inspired. Hello and welcome to this episode. In this episode, I'm talking to Nina Perry. Nina's PhD was titled Music, Narrative, Voice and Presence, Revealing a Composed Feature Methodology, which she finished in 2018 at Bournemouth University. So hello and welcome, Nina. Hello, Sophie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, and we'll start really um, back at the beginning. <laughs> uh, and what you were doing before you embarked on the PhD process and why um, you did that, why you thought a PhD would be a good idea. Yeah. Um, so before I was doing a PhD, um, I was working um, as an artist composing music um, and uh, making radio features and documentaries um, and also doing little bits of teaching in universities which I'd I'd done from about um, 2007 Um, and uh, so and then I actually I actually, uh, it's probably more also about when I sort of entered academia more fully, I think, probably, which was, which was 2014, um, which was when the, the PhD discussions really started. <clears throat> but um, through, through uh, that, my work, uh, I started getting ideas about. So there were, there were two projects in particular that I was doing. Um, that really sparked my imagination and made me think, oh, could a PhD be a journey for me? Uh, One was um, I did a lullabies project for the BBC World Service. And as part of that, I spoke to a psychobiologist, um, uh, Professor Colwyn Trevathan, who who does lots of research into communicative musicality. Um, And that was a kind of like... Uh, I was so inspired by talking to him, by interviewing him uh, for the for the for the series, um, and it, it also sort of resonated with me as he talked about uh, we're we're musical for the reason to get involved in human communication, as his studies with with um, very small babies, and and so you know sort of musicality being a fundamental part of being human. Um, kind of made my life make sense as well uh, and what I was doing while I was doing this sort of musical storytelling because I'd kind of developed this way of of working which had been come out of um I I well uh, my PhD really showed me what it had come out of but I I found I, I I at the time was 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 creating these composed features and they they had sprung from my experience of being um, composer in residence in the BBC Radio Drama Department, and, and and thinking about their work from a sound perspective, and then sort of developing this kind of new identity of a composer producer. Um, so that was the first thing. So that was that was in 2012 that I started thinking, oh, I really want to dive into this a bit more. And then I got a commission from Radio 3 to make a piece um, 
called A Song of Bricks and Mortar. And it was um, it was based on a quote by um, Benjamin Britten, uh, which is composing is like driving down a foggy road towards a house. It's on my wall here. <laughs> Slowly, you see more details of the house, the colours of the slate and bricks, the shape of the windows, the notes of the bricks and the mortar of the house. And um, as part of that project, I was asking lots of artists about their creative process and felt extremely happy at doing that. I found that I was just, I loved it. I really, really loved it. And I was just like, I'd love to be able to do this more. Um, and also, as part of that, I was documenting my own creative process of making the piece within the piece. So it became um, a kind of hall of mirrors. It was experimental radio piece for, for Radio 3 Between the Years. So... It was very interesting. I was kind of doc documenting myself and weaving that in as part of the narrative. So those are the two things I thought, oh, yeah, that's that's um, those those. When I look back, I can see those as the two things that were really inspiring me. I'm, I'm wondering whether there was a route in academia that could take me forward. Uh, yeah. So then in 2014, I, I, I uh, took on a part-time post at Bournemouth University as a lecturer in audio production. And um, as part of that, the requirement was that I would complete a PhD in the next five years. Um, so uh, that, was, that was quite appealing to me. Um, because that's I'd begun begun to think that that's what I wanted to do. And did you really practical question? Did you um, so you were part time lecturer? With, were you expected to do the PhD um, in your own time in the other half of the week, or was it incorporated in your part time post, or were you paid extra to do the? Would you get a grant to do the PhD, or how did that work? So um, there were these sort of various there were various different stages of that. So there was time allowed for research. So I think I might, I have my memory when well, going back to, to that time, I'm you know, 100% sure that this is correct. But I think uh, I had, like my time was divided between um, uh, teaching, uh, professional practice and research. I think that's, that's how it was divided up. And then the hours would shift. Um, when I was actually in my um, the full throes of writing up, um, I was fortunate at that time to be able to to have more. They gave me more time. But what I did find, which you can imagine, is that the actual I I I couldn't. It was very very difficult to continue my my other work, my freelance mm. work, which I I need to to do financially and yeah. I was needing to do financially so it was tough um to to do to do that but um there were various stages where it was it was part of that so I did pay for it in a certain way mm. I paid for it from not being able to 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 work in a normal way but I did have a part-time academic job um and I did have less teaching hours at, at certain times mm -hmm. and can you say a bit about the how the question evolved like how did the research question take Ooh. shape and um at what stage in the process were you like okay no this is what I'm 
going to focus on? <laughs> so uh, the actually the question really emerged quite late. And um, I'm very happy with that. I know lots of people would be, that's not how it's supposed to be. But um, for the nature of the work and the whole structure of the methodology, which I feel is, is strong, is uh, that, I, um, that I think it, it kind of, it kind of the, the place of the question uh, being quite late has kind of worked. What I had to do, so PhD, I'll, I'll, maybe within that I should talk a bit, a bit about what PhD by publication is. Yes, please, yeah. With, with the root. Um, so once I um, had uh, sort of established myself at, at Bournemouth and they were saying, right, you need to do a PhD, I was like, they were saying, well, these are the options. And um, one of the professors there at the time, um, Neil White, had had just done his PhD by publication and he said to me ah you could be a candidate for doing this route too and so he he very generously kind of of like talked me through um what there what what there was there as a a prima facie stage um of putting together an argument about why my body of work could be be turned into a PhD by publication um, so I've got a little bit here. So this is the de- definition from Bournemouth University at the time from uh, from their uh, codes of practice. The PhD is awarded to a uh, PGR on the basis of a publication or other creative performance work together with an accompanying synthesis in which the a PGR must demonstrate uh, a critical investigation providing independent and original contribution to knowledge and an understanding of appropriate research methodology to the chosen field. Um, so what what I did, uh, my PhD, I'll just read out, sorry, it's reading yeah. something, it's text, but uh, my, P, my PhD by publication draws together five composed featured, confi- sorry, composed features commissioned by and, f- and first aired on BBC Radio 3 and Radio 4 between 2009 and 2013. I'm the sole originator of these creative works and assume the role of composer or producer in the realization. This combined role has given rise to a composed feature methodology common to all five publications. So I think through the prima facie stage, I had recognized that it was this methodology that I had been developing that was the thing that was I would be investigating. Actually, in the you going back to the to the question. Actually, in the PhD with my animal stickers to show me which page. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is um, yeah. So, where in the bit where I've written the question, what I've written here is uh, the following questions have been fully articulated post hoc. However, they are pertinent to my ongoing artistic inquiry and have emerged over time, culminating in this descriptive summary of the distinctiveness and quality of my work. So I think that comes back to ongoing, what is an ongoing artistic inquiry? Um, And something that I looked into a lot is that, that, that difference between practice research, artistic inquiry, and uh, within academia and artistic inquiry. Um, yeah, 
And can you follow that through a bit and say what those distinctions are between artistic research and artistic inquiry? Yeah, so um, what I, uh, I leaned on heavily, I think, I'd be fair to say, throughout my PhD was Robin Nelson, mm-hmm. the uh, Practices Research in the Arts. Uh, and I used his methodology as, as my, um, uh, for, for, for uh, reflecting on my practice. There is a really good section about summary of adjustment from practitioner to practice researcher. That was really useful to read. Um, there was also, um, I think, uh, that I was recognising that, um, yeah, so what I, what I wrote uh, was that research has, has always been a significant part of my practice and artistic inquiry, inquiry, whether I've been situated within academia or not. Artistic inquiry, this is from Johnson, uh, 2011, surmises uh, re, re, uh, the artistic inquiry requires an ongoing arduous dialogue with your medium or media extended over the lifetime of an artist who remains open to discovering new things about the possibilities of their art. That is what an artist outside of academia might be viewing about their, might recognise as their artistic inquiry and, and that research is part of that. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, uh, going back to the Robin Nelson, he was saying that, um, that within academia, the research is needs to establish new knowledge, um, or he puts it as afford substantial new insights. So that, that I think, is the distinction for me, that the work around, the work around the practice that I have done post hoc for my PhD mm-hmm. is what creates it as practice research. So that it, that with the, in the, in the instance of a, a, a PhD by publication, the synthesis and the written element, that reflection and mm. um, that investigation, to my mind, it, it's, it is it's vigorous and that mm. it does it does uh, make that dis- make that distinction. But it's an unusual way of going about it. You know, we're not having a research question at the beginning. I think it's I think it's quite. Um common I don't know if that's right if it's common but it feels like I come across that quite a lot and that was my own experience as well that um the the questions evolve through the doing and through the through the reflecting and through whatever it is you're um thinking about as part of this Mm. research project so whereas I think that does jar sometimes with a um other ways of going about research from perhaps a social science perspective or, or other perspectives where you know, you for clarity's purpose, and actually, it probably is easier if you really well nail down your question before you go about thinking how to address that question. But I think there is something that um, disrupts that 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 process or that line um, when you it's through the through the making or the doing or the um, exploring that, of course, questions emerge through that. So I think that was really interesting when you were saying it was through your practice particularly these two moments of conversation with 
um, uh, another researcher with um, through the process of uh, of composing, becoming a composer, producer, um, and through the practice of it, you were like, actually, these are the things that are coming to the foreground or um, developing as kind of lines of inquiry potentially to, to pursue. So I think as well, the distinction between artistic, I'm wondering about that distinction between artistic research and inquiry, because is it you're, you're, you're reflecting on work that's been done. And I think that's, that is certainly one of common, isn't it? In, in prep PhD work, whether it's by publication or not, you know, there is an element that sometimes artists do that. They're like reflecting post what's, you know, like you were saying post hoc in a post hoc mm. way. Um, but also that then for how that folds into practice as a form of research. So mm. whether that's in the framework of the PhD or after the PhD or some, you know, in some other cases. But I think it, it, it's, a, it's something that's come up is that not all not all practice is research and not all research is practice if you're a practitioner. <laughs> yeah. And how do you feel that? Do you distinguish between that in some of the work that you do? Do you think, no, this one, this one is go, it's got a sort of research point to it or frame or. I think that's that going back to that artistic inquiry. I think there there is definitely work that I would say isn't part of necessarily wouldn't necessarily work so well as research and have that you know because it's how I make my living so mm. I'm doing all sorts of things I think it what I think the PhD gave me was this kind of grounding at understanding how everything is pretty well linked and mm. the most surprising things can come in that you, that you end up doing and thinking, oh, actually, this is quite surprised by that. I wasn't really <laughs> intending mm. that to be part of a sort of research thing, uh, but it is. Um, and actually, you know, that takes me on maybe to a new direction. Um, so, but I think in terms of, you know, I'm I'm not working in academia at the moment, but I'm attached to an institution as a visiting fellow and have submitted to the REF. Mm. So those practice outputs um, were part of my practice as an artist and, and as a, a and um, as a producer. So I think I've I've found a formula that enables me to to use a lot of what I create as as research, but not probably as much as I'd like there to be. I, I would like, to, I'd like to be doing more practice research. Mm. Um, what yeah. would that take? That would probably take some more support that, I mean, I hate to say it, money, <laughs> but it probably <laughs> would be. Yeah. <laughs> well, institutional support. I mean, mm. that's the thing. I get a certain amount of institutions institutional support um and i i really am hoping that at some point i can have sconal access again you know because that is so i can go into into some libraries and things like that um so i think that that is what i am not getting that opportunity but it's not just it's actually it's not just it's not it's definitely not just um being paid by an institution to do research it's it's also having the the framework of support. Mm. I think that is really important, and I think that's why I like what you're doing a lot because <laughs> it's it's like the, you know to have to have resources as practice research because I've I've actually found it quite difficult to find those resources 
um, and those communities. Mm -hmm. I found it quite difficult within academia because I think there's institutional differences about how how they want to include practice research. So, absolutely, I agree. I agree, and I think um, it's. I'm I'm thinking. Is it? I don't want it to be just like what we call it you know I feel like there's a gate like you were saying about um a formula to kind of go okay yes this can be seen as practice research thank you very much Ref. yeah yeah um but I you know like it's like digging for ourselves for us for this mm. kind of community of of interest in practice research like well what how can we develop peer net peer networks of critical rigorous support in actually delving into well what is it we're doing and how and why are we calling this practice research or research and 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 also giving ourselves the freedom and opportunity to not have not for not everything to be research and for not you know but also to kind of recognize when something is and actually go yeah I've, ac- I've accidentally found out some new knowledge here this is yeah, really exciting yeah. and yeah. I think those you know those surprises are really like that's where it gets exciting isn't it and it's not mm. instrumentalized from the get-go it's like actually this is I'm interested in developing some work and yes there are certain ways of framing it but actually there's some really genuinely interesting stuff going on here and how can I share that with others in a way in a way that makes sense and I wouldn't I was wondering in that sense like what you're just really practically again like what were the outputs if you like that you shared with the ref process at Bournemouth what did so you- yeah so they were kind of um one was another composed feature that I made uh, for Australian radio and that was that was sort of before I really got into doing the PhD so it, mm. I found that quite interesting and then two were colla- more collaborative pieces one was with um, uh, the one was a radiophonic poem I collaborated with a, a poet who was kind of my PhD by publication buddy uh we we met on a on a voice voice we were both using voice as part of our our PhDs and through that we developed um we developed an, an idea for radio 3 um and then another one was a program for radio 4 about um uh, Virginia Woolf and the musicality and what was really interesting about that, that was very much, I, that, that, seemed, that felt very much out of, outside of academia. But uh, Fiona Talkington, it was Fiona Talkington's idea, who was the presenter, and she, she was interested in exploring uh, Virginia Woolf academically as well and suggested that we went to the International Virginia Woolf uh, Conference and took the work there. So what was really rewarding as an as an academic was how well that was received as a different form of research and how they're using it in teaching now and that that I found extremely satisfying to to sort of bridge that the the um bridge the audience is in a way is that I'm you know I'm I'm doing things in a in a way for for a radio four audience but I'm but I'm also able to with the same work to to inform to 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 bring new insights to to that very established community of academics that's really exciting i think as well like and for 
um, for us to be pushing what an output looks like and sounds like and feels like. Yeah. So it's uh, and that knowledge can be held in these different forms. Um, and that's also exciting thinking. That we, of course, we all read, read or listen into things with different sets of uh, knowledges and, and experiences. So but I think, yeah, how often with, the, with I mean, I'm going back to the ref with thing, but, you know, there's a you know, 300 word statement and your port, your portfolio or however it is, you, you package things. But one of the, the sort of challenges I've found is, um, is which is maybe a bit, uh, it's, it's very honest of me to say, but, you know, it's sometimes like, going, okay, what did I actually find out here? <laughs> like, where is the new knowledge? How do I articulate that in a succinct way? Um, and where's the research you know so it's sort of something that might feel like you know it feels like research to me and of course it is I'm finding out things and but actually to kind of articulate that in a way in a language that Mm. other academics will understand no matter what their discipline uh is a challenge and it's one that I'm up for because I'm I quite like those sorts of challenges and and how we communicate across disciplines and um Mm. and things but I you know I've also I also want to keep hold of the fact that you you know you can um experience knowledge in different forms not just a 300 word you know written thing or a, a peer-reviewed art- journal article or well I think that's the, that's just so intrinsic to what it's all about as well and that's the thing that re- that was the most rewarding thing I think from my PhD and what I really really care about <laughs> in the world is thinking about different ways of knowing yeah. and that and what that can offer and that mm. I think it, it's like it's practice research isn't just about art arts and artists it's it's about knowing that we experience and we we have knowledge in different ways mm. and it's it's quite old-fashioned really to think that it, it, it that everything is propositional knowledge and 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 things need to be just written down for it to, to be a, to be knowledge so yeah I think that's exciting to mm. to have that opportunity really I suppose to challenge the you know that that thing of what is the new knowledge in in, in that but whether it's accepted by different institutional mm. systems is I think that's also why it's important that we keep do keep doing it and keep showing these different forms and bringing people along with us in that in that process because in many ways it is about about listening in it's about getting involved and and participating in in these processes that that feel uncomfortable perhaps sometimes but can I can I before we kind of go on to the sort of nitty-gritty of what you're up to now what can I just go back to your emerging methodology um through the PhD and the you were talking about um how at the beginning you were kind of thinking about a, a, a composed feature methodology as something that is coming out there and you wanted to investigate can you say a bit more about that methodology and what that mm. so the which was the which comes into the questions really I think so the questions the questions that came about were um, how does the composed feature methodology shift material practice in the field of storytelling and sound how does bringing musicality to the fore develop understanding of the relationship between music and narrative and what is authorial presence and how does the, the composed feature give rise to new concepts surrounding voice and presence? Answering those questions was, was really what the synthesis was about. And the reflection really was um, like working with um, the model that 
Robin Nelson mm. provides um, of know how, know that, know what, investigating mm. that that um, my practice with those questions. And what I found particularly interesting was how far that took me back into my education, into it was eth- ethnographic, eth- ethnoauth- I think it's just been a lot of time writing these words, but you don't want to spend a lot of time saying them, do you? <laughs> but uh, so, you know, so I was, I was, I was exploring my own story, really. And um, so that was really interesting. And that brought about quite a lot of insight for me about the changes in arts education as well. I did my degree in the 90s so my first degree in the 90s and 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 about my relationship between of practice and theory and how uh Robin Nelson talks a lot about them being imbricated and I thought yeah that's how that's how my education was on my I did performing arts that's how it was and then looking I had my um my dissertation from there Mm -hmm. and and then I looked at that and got wow, okay, this was a blueprint for what I did, I've been doing. So I was developing ideas on my, in a very crude way, but all a lot of the ideas were there. A lot of the ideas were then being developed about music and narrative in my MA. I did an MA in composing for film. And, and uh, mm. so, and, and then I've been doing that as a job. You know, I've been doing, you know, writing music for narrative and then developing these co composed features so that was how it investigated yeah. and the the methodology which I found really exciting to do was think about embodied knowledge what what knowledge is embodied in uh in in the generative act of making the work um mm-hmm. what's in the work itself and what knowledge is inscribed in my body as a practitioner that's I think that really links up for me into that different ways of knowing and did you, that's really insightful. And I, I, I can imagine, were you um, like listening back to work you'd done, like doing almost that kind of memory work on yourself of, of using those tools that Robin Nelson had given yeah. you? Um, and did you, did, you feel, did you make new work from that? Or did it kind of stay in this synthesis form of the written piece of the PhD? Or? Well, Interestingly, it was so I, the reflective process. I was using, I was doing voice work, embodied voice, psychophysical voice work, which is uh, a lot of actors training doing as part of my reflection. A lot of somatic practices, so yoga and movement um, and, and dance and and things that um, and Alexander technique, which is 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 so much about the knowledge. The, the, the body knowing and as part of that I did something called river stories which is reflects back is like um it's a something mm. that actors do it's the link later method of voice work where uh it's like your stepping stones and when I did that I did that as a residential course and out of that the the practice output that the what that went into the ref this last ref came from that period I started writing this piece Knickerbocker Glory about my childhood memories of ice cream and that became that that has become so I so there was work coming from that but you know 
PhD by publication is a very intense, short period of time. It's not like other other. I had I, I had to do it within a year. Wow. You know, I had yeah. to do it. so. It, it, it's kind of like that's part of the of the deal. You're, so the reflection is very intense. Though so it took it took two three years to actually get me through the gate mm. of being able to do the PhD by publication. Um, I'd been kind of gathering the research through through that, but the actual. I think I went off track there. So did I do other work? It kind of came out of it, but not within the formal framework of the PhD by publication no, uh, submission. No, it, yeah. it, no. But interestingly, it is now. So that's that's the thing. I think uh, that within that, yeah. So so there wasn't. It was it was very much using a different part of mm. me. Like I wasn't used to sitting and writing mm. all day. Um, and I got a great deal from doing that. So it was a, it was a very, it was quite an alien way of being for me, mm-hmm. um, for that, for that kind of writing up. And the, but the reflect, the, I think I, I had written, I had a lot of material to work with because I'd written a lot of blogs like when I was making work, mm. and so I had lots of material, and I obviously kept all my essays and things like that. Um, so I had lots of stuff and lots of and then when I've done like some of it was that I had got arts council grants you know and you have all that stuff around that you have to write up for that so yeah there's a lot to draw from so maybe before we before we come to an end with the episode what um is there anything you want to say about the work that you're making now or the, the the situation you're in at the moment with practice research you were saying how you'd like to kind of develop more possible work that could be could be um practice research um uh more overtly practice research if you like because it probably is anyway but um yeah if you want to say a bit about what your what your thoughts are now well I think actually that thing so I, I read back, back over bits about the methodology and and that was like like in preparation for talking to you and that it just made me think, oh, God, I really want to be exploring that more. That Actually, the methodology and that thing about different yeah. ways of knowing and like, and um, and there's so much in the PhD that I haven't been able to, haven't been able to, like, take yeah. forward. But what I have taken forward, which I found quite fascinating, is that um, as part of my write-up, I wrote a practice review. Mm. And this introduced me to practice that I didn't know about. Like and I became fascinated with uh, the early work of the BBC and and what actually was very exciting time in the 1920s when uh, there was lots of modernist influences and they didn't know what radio was and radio became a place for experimental art. The BBC mm-hmm. became a place yeah. for experimental art uh, and it maybe hasn't. You know, the argument is that it, it, that hasn't really continued but I could I I read a book by someone called Lance Severking um, who did some very experimental work in the 1920s and was very very excited by this <laughs> by this book and could really relate to it so um, I've got a commission to make a, something for Radio 3 um, about to make my own experimental <laughs> uh, well it's not going to be too experimental uh, but it will be it's a it's a Sunday feature for about about this so this is this is the so I was looking at it I thought this is interesting if I take this back into Robin Nelson's framework for practices research um in terms of this propositional knowledge that I 
I read this book about this man and, and from the 1920s and now I'm making practice that and my one of my PhD examiners is part of it as well so that's really nice to to, to mm. have to feel that continuation especially as I'm I'm much less in academia so I'm excited by being able to take that forward yeah. that's really exciting and do you feel like there are um uh, like the peer review how how do you feel about and are there spaces for peer review of your work so say for example this commission if if it was to also be um presented within a kind of practice based peer review journal that accepts non traditional out you know submissions non traditional you know non um written uh, submissions is that something you've explored or would explore for this I haven't, but it, I think it could be. I, I would, I would be interested in think and finding more ways mm. that I could, because I feel like I, f- I find that I'm in a slightly odd, odd place with with academia and my my practice is that I'm I'm an early career researcher really, having just mm. just not long ago, um, got my PhD, but I'm kind of established in my practice is more established, and it's like. I I feel that I I would like to be doing more of those like I feel like it hasn't really grown my the academia practice research hasn't grown in a way that I would have liked to mm. to have done after my PhD so I I would I think it'd be interesting to explore whether that could work yeah. I mean you like, I've had like from the ref I got and it's interesting because it's like because I think it's those things of crossing those cultures as well because kind of like things aren't obvious to a to like I, when I read some feedback that I got from like a um a ref um mock ref mm. I was like oh you it's that's because that's not understanding the culture and I need to explain yeah. that to that culture exactly, so that's yeah. so that's I think it's really interesting about those and even cultural like seeing if there are journals or like you obviously had that experience with the conference but if there are journals that are focusing on sort of crossover areas of interest and discipline because it's quite interdisciplinary isn't it your work anyway but thinking they you know they would be great if they could accept the work as well or you know maybe it needs a bit of um surround uh surroundings (laughs) and and kind of explanation and things but if they could accept Mm. like we submitted um it was a transcript from a from one of the a podcast I was doing to a journal, um, which again we ended up having to kind of academicize, I suppose, by doing lit review methodology thing around it. But it, it we managed yeah. to get quite a lot of the transcript in the journal, which is, I mean, it's a little small steps. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it yeah, it sort of feels like it would it it would be great for your work to be seen in those contexts where other researchers exploring similar themes and issues um can learn from from what you're doing as well because I yeah it does that's part of it isn't it? I guess the research process how are we yeah. contributing to this field of knowledge that we're in yeah I think that's actually given me some ideas mm. to kind of think about how that could happen because that would be yeah that mm. could work that could be really good Nina thank you so much thank you thank you are there any other um, anything else you want to re- refer to or we'll have show notes as well so we can put links to your work um, and um, 
and people can find out more that way um but yeah i've really enjoyed enjoyed the conversation thank you thank you so have i it's it's really nice to to look back at this and yeah i really enjoyed it great thank you for listening to the corkscrew podcast brought to you by birkbeck university of london if you'd like to join the conversation visit our website in the show notes and sign up to our email list